Hello, and welcome to The Art of Mini War. I'm Holly. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about which scale you should be using for what kind of scenario you're running, or a shorter title, Scale of Miniatures. Or, uh, you know, you should look at some smaller scales, because everyone does big scale. And why 6 mil is not the screaming demon child everybody says it is. Yeah, 3 mil is. 3 mil is pointless. I feel like 3 mil is just a lump. It's a colored lump. You might at as that well point. play with uh, marbles, mar- rocks. Yeah, markers, tiles, little chits. That works. Or, yeah. you know, just go the road of uh, Blucher and just have cards at exactly. that point. Yeah. Because you're getting no definitions. Like, ooh, that's a red little blot. And we're going to face against a blue little blot, dudes. Yes, exactly. We're a six mil. I'm looking at some that I painted right now this week, and it's pretty pretty, pretty solid. I got a little little crests on the on the shakos and all of it in their hands and their their white straps on their their their, their, their all, all over their coats. Yeah, and I'm sitting good. Yeah, I'm sitting what probably five six feet from you, and I can actually see some definition. Like I British, see the little British, British, the British. little bayonets. Yep, and I can see their little wow. bayonets are pretty big. Yeah, and, you know, I can see their little, you know... Little sacks on the back? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can see the different colors of them. I can't see, you know, great detail on them, but now that I am holding them, yeah, they look pretty dope, and they've got, you know, little details on their little hats and little details on their little jackets, and you can see, like, their pants and their boots. It's, you know, there's... It's a full little dude. They're not the... And they're, they do not take much technical skill to paint. Yes, because they're so small that you just have to color in the lines. And then wash. Yes. And then you're done, man. Like, they're super easy. Anyway, so we should talk about, like, the whole concept first instead of just saying, like, these minis I painted are good because that's a little weird. Let's, that is let's weird. Also, we're going to have to post some pictures of them because yeah. context. Yes. Um. So here's the deal, guys. I really like... 32 mil and 28 mil. Just as much as the next guy. I like them a lot. However, I really like 6 and 10. A lot. I really like 6 and 10 mil. Is it because you want to feel like a god of a massive army? Um, Yes. I just want to put hundreds and hundreds of tanks and dudes on a board. And watch them kill each other. Because that's awesome. Uh, Mass battles are so much cooler than like, oh no, my 10 dudes are fighting his 10 dudes. I know that's not how 40k works or anything anymore. But like, I mean, just comparing like, not even from a rules perspective, bolt action to Flames of War. Why I I would so much rather play Flames of War. I I do really enjoy painting 28 mil dudes. Just because you get the more definition on the... um, on the uniforms, you know, you get all, all the little like the canteens were this color, and you go to some obscure guide that looks like it's on a page from 1998, and it's like this this old 60 year old man being like, "You should always use the color Bulgarian beige for your uh, D- Danish tunics, guys. That's the historically correct color." So, yeah, I, the- I don't know why I enjoy that. Well. It depends how much detail and attention to detail you like. Yeah. It would depend which kind of miniatures you like to paint. So yeah, with 28, you have that, you can get insanely detailed with it. 
Which is funny because a lot of people say that, oh, six mil, it's so detailed. It's like, no, bro. Like, the larger you go, the more detail you have to... The more stuff you have to do. Yeah. So, like, on my 28 mil dudes, even, like, fantasy and sci-fi stuff, I still probably pull it minimum, probably eight to 12 colors. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. And that's not, you know, including vehicles, anything complicated. That is a standard dude. And that's, and that's like base colors. That's not even like highlights and washes and stuff. No. And yeah. So, you know, my Necromunda Goods guys, I've been uh, Necromunda Goose. Yeah. That's how that Necromunda Goose. Hey, they're kind of gooey looking. They are. What are they? Cawdor, right? Yeah. They're Cawdor. Yeah, and dope. I decided instead of royal blue and gold, I wanted to do like grungly greens and browns to make swamp them really earthy. Boys. The candles made me think swamp. I don't know why. I don't know, but they're swampy and they're cool. But, like, even them, like, the minimum colors for a kind of really subdued color scheme, I think I have something like eight base colors before washes and highlights. That sounds right. I think one of the, even from just a modeling perspective, we'll talk about more game design stuff with scale later. Because I, I think that's, like, the two important things is there's, there's well, I guess there's three. is um, One, it's what you like to paint if you want to see if you want like if you want to paint the guy's individual toenails and stuff like you got to go 28 mil you know if they have toenails you get the you get the idea like that uh, that appeals to a lot of people and it's cool and i also enjoy it but like sometimes i also just want to put paint 100 dudes and have the spectacle because it's also like and if i never have to paint another set of eyebrows sometimes you know just those details are just like they're really agonizing for yeah. me because I'm not that good a painter. So it's frustrating because I can't get the detail that I can see. So I, you know, I started painting some other stuff and I feel better about it because then it's like, oh, well, I don't have to, you know, paint eyeballs. I don't have yeah. to paint lips. I never paint eyeballs anyway. They, by the way. They're weird. They and don't add anything. They make it look worse if, unless you get it exactly perfect and even then you have to be looking for it painting eyeballs is an oxymoron not an oxymoron like there's this whole trap uh that people say that you're not a good paint painter unless you do the eyeballs which is bullshit and weird gatekeepery garbage that i hate like i don't paint eyeballs i'm a pretty dang good painter i don't do eyeballs because they don't add anything except for frustration on my end because you still, I can still do a perfectly good face without eyeballs and you can still get the emotion in it because the eyes on a little guy, especially because you're looking above, down, you're not even going to see him. Who cares? Yeah, the only thing I do eyeballs for in 28 now that I'm a little bit more comfortable is if it's something big, like some kind of big critter or something. Yeah, like I'll do the like the lenses on Space Marines. That's a bit different. Yeah, no, but like I'm talking things like dragons and beasts. Yeah, no, I'm talking like regular human dude. If I'm yeah. painting a Romanian paratrooper, I don't did they have paratroopers? I don't remember. They probably did. They're probably terrible. Regardless. Um then I wouldn't I wouldn't paint the eyeballs on those guys. No. That's ridiculous. Also, since you're a commission painter, you're not getting paid for eyeballs. No. That's just unnecessary hours that you're passing along that cost to your customer who probably doesn't care that much. No, no. So um, long as your, you know, Dunkle Groon is, you know, Dunkle Gelb, whatever. You. <laughs> Go. I know, I know. Gatekeep your fucking yellow I somewhere know, I'm else. I'm kidding. 
I'm being a goof. Um, but no, uh, there. Whereas if you're painting, because okay, let's do it this way. There are like four main scales. Arguably three. Six mil has fallen by the wayside. A fairly large deal. Um, there's 28 mil, which is the largest, and everyone does it. Like pretty much every company has a 28 mil game, right? There's your infinities. There's your war machines. That's more of 32. Warm hordes, whatever. Malifo. Uh, Malifo. Ma- is kind of a 32. Yeah. Tw- when I say 28s, I mean 32. They're all in that range, heroicy, big big man size, big dude size, whatever. Like, um, they're they're all in that range. Um, and that's what mo- most people play. Then there, there's 15s, and I know everyone's a, a bunch of the old people are gonna say, "What about 20s? 20s aren't haven't been a thing in forever." Yeah, I people still sell them, people still buy them, but like no no like super big game company is coming out with a twenty millimeter game. No, and I feel like twenty is also an awkward size between it fifteen is. and twenty eight. It's like why bother? Might as well just go with fifteens. Yeah. Like either go with fifteen or twenty eight. That little size difference between a fifteen and a twenty, I feel is so negligible it's and just adds a fair confusion. amount. No, it's a fair amount. I have some twenty mil Napoleonics. Yes. Because it was the cheapest way to get Napoleonics, by the way. Except for six mil. And sorry. Yes, but yeah. as far as the context of, you know, big dudes, little battle, medium dudes, medium battle, small dudes, big battle. Yeah. They're kind of yes. They they should fall into one or the other. They're kind of redundant either way. And yes, people do do Napoleonics, but that's because a lot of the people who played Napoleonics were there for the Peninsular Wars leading up. To yeah, they were actually this. there. Yeah, happy twentieth birthday or two hundredth birthday. Twentieth, messed that joke up. Ah, shucks. Um, so yes, and then there's fifteen mil, which is uh, a very big deal. I mean, it's huge with ancients. It's huge with World War Two. Huge with Napoleonics. It's huge. Funny because they're they're tiny. They're not huge. Uh, jokes. Anyway, I'm just gonna go past that because it sucked. Um, <laughs> and 15 mil. One of the side effects from a game perspective is like it's hard to use terrain. Like yes. Like, and I'm not saying use it as in like rules wise. I'm saying like putting your models in terrain or something like that like when you go to six mil you're just putting them like next to a base with a house on it that's super small like whereas 15s you can like maybe put the base on the roof or something like that like battlefront specific terrain is very purpose-built for their base sizes which is nice so you can put the dudes in the buildings and all that right Uh, and in 28s what you can put them wherever like yeah because your terrain is big enough that you as a person with human-sized hands can actually yes. operate with Manipulate that. Manipulate inside of buildings. Well, depending on the construction, of course. But yes. but um, And I feel like that's a big game design thing concerning scale. But anyway, so 15s is that nice middle ground where you get just enough stuff. And it's all, usually a batali- like a company-sized game. That's important. People want to know. <laughs> that's a company. Anyway. Um, and then like there's 10. I like 10. I like 10 a lot. 10, 10 mil has a bunch of games. Um, Drop Zone, mm-hmm. which is great. Very good sci-fi game. Um, and I feel like that fits very well, even though it's a lower model count game. Like, you really don't need that many models. Well, that's because a lot of them are 
tanks and vehicles and kind of larger yeah. things within the scale. You're not dealing with as many itty bitty dudes so much. There's as there's a the infantry is very important in that. But yes, you, but there's but only stands of fire. Like the need... biggest unit is like thirty. Yeah, but you yeah you don't need a ton of stands of them. No, but you know it does make those tanks feel big and important, and yeah. they're really cool. And I I love them, I, and I also love the game design. But anyway, their their artistic direction I think is very good. Yeah, yeah, and and also in ten mil is like Warmaster. Yeah, Warmaster is a good time. Well, the was. first no 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 the first edition of Warmaster was trash. The infinite charges and all that crap, and they fixed it with uh, Warmaster Ancients, and now there's an even better version, Warmaster Revolutions. Hooray, fan communities! But no, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ten mil games out there, and also like any historical can be played at pretty much any yeah. scale. Yeah, I mean, there's certain just depends things on the, that the rule set what it's built for, what the rule set is built for, and also what scenario you're portraying for historicals. Yes. So for something that is very skirmishy, is very Small model count because it was few actual men in the engagement. So, like, um, going to American history, like French and Indian War. Yes. That, I feel like, would be very awkward with anything smaller than 28. Um, I disagree. I think you could do some 15s. You could do some 15s. Like, the, Ticonderoga, you could do in 15s. There's, there's quite a few battles. But, but a yeah. lot of but it... most of it, absolutely. ...were very skirmishy. It yes. was, you know, smaller groups of men encountering... You know, each other... Just whoopsing each other into the woods. Oh, shit, another column! Yeah, so having that in some kind of bigger scale. Also, in, like, French and Indian War, each man is very individual. There, yeah. There weren't as many, like, oh, there's this Continental Army. We gotta, you know, have all of these pristine uniforms. It's kind of more, you know, you can pay more attention to the individual because well, I like the way that that makes you think about it because, yes, they did have their uniforms. Yes, that was part of how they were, but... Well, I think the reason for that is there were a, a fair amount of, like, regular units, but a lot of it was just militia. Yeah. That's the part. that That's that's why, and that, that's why it's fucking cool. And that's why it's cool to have all of those individuals, which is more fun to paint in yeah. 28 because then you can be like, oh, well... You know, here's my Canadian militia. They all have the weird floppy. Uh, uh, most of them have the weird floppy hats and cool like trapper gear. Yeah, which and, I which is can't awesome. Get over. Yeah, also fun snow bases for them because mm -hmm. a lot of uh, not always, but yeah, I a lot. They're fun to do with snow bases. True, absolutely, and they look stellar with the contrast of the yeah. light base and you know the anyway. I'm I getting like distracted. The, I also like the French uniform at the time, the white. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm. Also, the French Marines look cool. Uh, screw the British. They're just red hey. again. They're just red again. Come on, guys. Come on. No, they're cool, too. But they're just kind of like standard yeah. for the era. Whereas the... I mean, they're all they're all the same. They're all bicorns and tricorns, and yeah. they're, they're silly colored. Well, the other thing paints. I like with dealing with kind of winter in French and Indian is um, like everyone's winter gear was kind of just like Keep warm so you don't freeze to death. Yeah. And I like that individuality. As much wool as possible. Yeah. And like, you know, I just, I used to go to Ticonderoga in the summer with my family. And every year they portrayed a different year and army that was at Ticonderoga. Yeah. And I really liked experiencing like these handmade 
replicas of their uniforms. It got me really interested in it. Yeah, the very specificness of yeah. everyone. And like you have these guys who are, you know, the reenactors being like, Oh yeah, you know, you know, my girlfriend knit me this hat mm-hmm. for it. You know, she, you know went to the library and researched like yeah. eight six whatever seventeen oh four. Yeah. I don't know the years. And you know, just yeah. you know, they're all like handmade and everything about like because even in the summer in like Ticonderoga up on the Canadian border, it gets cold at night. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you just have all these like little personal touches to it. And I think that's really cool. And that's something that I feel like you can bring to in a larger scale miniature like that. Where it's like, oh, well, you can make this guy's like hat or, you know, jacket or something, you know, slightly different. You don't mm-hmm. have to be exactly, oh, it must be this color because, you know, these guys were getting the stuff from, you know, stuff they made themselves or people or made from for a them. Local trader or, or yeah, something. anything. Yeah. So Whereas if you're if you look at like the same time period where it's the Seven Years War and it's just like, yeah, we got ten thousand dudes and they all look the same and they're running at each other with muskets. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So and that would I mean, be something that's a very obviously oversimplified version of it, but also accurate. Yeah, and for that, since you're dealing with larger scales and more columns and formations across a larger yeah. battlefield, scaling that down and having like fifteens or tens. Yeah. You're it's really per- it's not yeah. Yeah. And because you kind of like you just get into the rhythm of, okay, I'm gonna paint all these guys base colors. Okay, I'm gonna paint all their pants, yeah. I'm gonna paint all their shirts, I'm gonna paint all the details, you know, kind of you know, assembly lining it because that's kind of just how they are. Yes. Um so yeah, fifteen. We were talking about tens. That's what we were talking about. We were yeah. done Sorry. Brain, go. So tens are dope. Um now six mil. I'm a big proponent of six millimeter. And there's a there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but let's start with the first one. Lots of dudes on a board. That's awesome. Just the scale of the battle you can throw on, and you don't have the rules don't get into the nitty-gritty. And you can just throw a bunch of tanks across a table and throw shit on stuff, and I love it. Cost-effective, small dudes. Oh, I know. I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that also because we're going to talk about price also because price is very important Uh, because obviously uh, buying a 40K army, five, six hundred bucks minimum-ish. Yeah, and that's assuming you start with a eBay lot as your initial Well, not necessarily, but like, like for example... Uh, the the cheapest army you can buy for Age of Sigmar, three hundred. That's actually a under not bad for new. Models. No, no, it's not. And the reason that it is is because uh, Beast Claw Raiders. You just need the big beasties, and they're all big beasties. It's like ten, twelve models total. So that's still a lot of money. Yes, especially for somebody who isn't sure. That this is something yeah. they want to invest in. Now they're gorgeous models and people who just want to paint stuff and maybe play a game every so often. Perfect. That's what GW is great at, except for also it's a fun game. Both of them. But um, as for 6 mil, I'm painting these Napoleonics, as mentioned earlier. And uh, I don't remember how much Casey paid for them. But they were like, I think it was 120 and he's got like two or three brigades like he's got a lot of it's like a couple hundred dudes 
we're surrounded by tiny little dudes right now glued to popsicle sticks. There's it's a lot. A lot. I got uh, I got like three or four whole boxes with them. There's a, a pile of cavalry, and it's like a, a, a hundred, a little bit more than a hundred, maybe, maybe less. I don't remember what exactly he bought and how much he paid for it, but it was not much. Yeah. And he will. N- the only thing that I would think he's lacking is he only has eight cannons. That's not enough. But other than that, he doesn't have to buy shit. He's yeah, done. Forever. He's done. And he doesn't even have to buy more cannons. Eight cannons is, I don't think it's enough, but that's because I'm going to play French. Um, but, um, but, and, but yeah, the no, cool thing about gosh. his Napoleonic six mills is they're done. Once they're done, they're done. You don't yep. need to buy new ones. They don't change because it's historical. The ru- they yeah. they are always, that's what they were. That's you what they are. That's what they will set. forever be. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't like a rule set or something new comes out, guess what? You still have the models. You can still use them. Yep. And that's one of the really cool things about historicals yeah. that I'm starting to discover and I'm really excited oh, about. Oh, yeah. I mean, for example, I bought, I have a lot of 28 millimeter World War II, right? I mean, um, and that started with, initially it started with bolt action. And we all know how I feel about bolt action. Address your hate mail and put Aaron in the subject it's line. It's fine. It's a fine game, but it bores me because there's not enough to it. I've been over this and you all know and we can all boo me. But regardless. But then I got more because I bought or because we started playing. Um, ooh, what's that two Fat Lardies one? Is that command, uh, Chain of Command? Chain of Command. Yes. Chain of Command. I started playing Chain of Command with some friends. And so I bought a, I started another army because they, because chain of command doesn't, didn't have as many army lists back then. And their flexibility isn't as like the army lists aren't as flexible. They're more adherent to, um, actual, like historical, actual, like, um, yes, exactly. The actual construction of a platoon, like they're hundred percent on that. Um, but like, which I actually really like, but anyway, so yeah, so, so I bought more stuff for that and now I'm not playing anything with it i'm not playing a world war ii 28 mil game right now but that's fine because i can choose i could go pick up iron cross i literally have a copy up there yeah. uh, do I, you have command decision i have played command decision i am not the biggest fan of it it has some issues but it's an option it's and it's works. better at smaller scale i think fair I see. Yes. I understand why you would say that. But also, that's the beauty of historical systems is you can try them in different systems, like in different scales. Like if it doesn't, if you feel it's awkward in 28, try it in something different. I mean, the twins have literally, they bought uh, micro armor, Mm -hmm. which I think is six mil. Yeah. They also do three mil, but three mil is weird and pointless. But anyway, um, they have six mil uh, micro armor. And they just took, they played Flames of War with it. You just take the ranges and you have them. You have the movement. You have the range. That's about right. From 6 to 15, that's about right. You can just you can super cheaply play some Flames of War with your buddies. You could go out and you could spend 80 bucks and have like two full armies. Yeah. And that's awesome. There's There's nothing holding you back when it comes to... To playing historicals at a different scale. Yeah. The only thing that you kind of run into with historicals is, well, they have to be historical. That's so, And fine. that depends on also your community. Like, mm-hmm. 
we are pretty lucky with having, you know, a lot of people in our area who play historicals. Oh, yeah. Who would notice if something was wrong. So there is that pressure to make sure that it is right. But also, I feel like that's kind of part of the fun. But also, like... I guess we're going to get into like a weird thing about Napoleonics. There's a lot of really annoying dudes who will be like, oh, the hats were a different color in this year. So you can't put those on my table. Um, you don't have to play with those people. Those people suck and they're not fun to play with anyway. Yeah. Um, and, you <laughs> know, it's just like, own, yeah. oh, the buttons on his coat weren't actually that color but, because of, you know, yeah. this change in this document and blah, blah, Especially blah. if like, you, yeah, like there's, and that's not to say bring Seven Years' War stuff to to Napoleonics. Like, don't do that. that yeah. That is a big enough leap in time. Yes, don't do that. But also... But, if- like, who cares, man? At, at a certain point, you're playing a game. Maybe these are some... They're, they're reserve troops. Who cares? Also, don't insult the veterans of the Napoleonic Wars who still play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still rolling around. That wasn't the button I wore at Waterloo. How dare you? How dare you paint them a slightly different color? Two months before Waterloo, they would have been the color you painted them, but now we're at Waterloo. We're not that color. Like, what? Let me go pull that hat out of my closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I paint, if I paint a thousands uh, Napoleonic French and greatcoats, I'm going to use those for almost all my Napoleonics. I don't care. I'm not painting another thousand for Peninsula War, dude. Unless it's in six mil, then that's fine. But you, but like you get the idea. I, I, the the gatekeeperiness around Napoleonics is harsh and unacceptable. And it's oddly specific to Napoleonics. It really I've, is. Yeah, I've not experienced that in a lot of other eras. And it's just so bizarre to me. And it's also something that gets talked about a lot in the community. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when I lived in New Jersey, we were talking about Napoleonics and how there's one guy who played kind of everything like it was Napoleonics. Mm-hmm. He didn't realize that maybe in 40K, don't line up your dark angels in a straight line and try and march them across the board. It doesn't go well. Yeah. But, and, you know, we that's really what kind of, you know, his love of napoleonics kind of was like i was like okay what what's this all about and another guy was like oh you know you're you're gonna get you know flack for oh the you know that guy's belt would have been black instead of brown or you know yeah just that buckle isn't the right one or oh that year that you know the buttons were a different color the hat was a different color or, oh it, it just a the million list goes thing. on yeah. and it's just like nitpicky garbage. and that kind of bothered me and I made a generalization early on in my like miniatures journey that oh historicals are like this no and then I realized later with World War II games because I had friends who introduced me to Flames War and I'm like oh yeah this is different also you know people aren't as gatekeepery about like Flames of War no and also because Flames of War is a little bit more list buildery. Well, then also it's like there's this gate. I think the gate uh, lies in the complexity of the game. That's true. Also, when you look at the communities of people who play games like Napoleonics, yeah. for the most part, broad generalization coming disclaimer. It's a bunch of old white dudes. Basically. Yeah. I mean, Napoleonics is cool as shit. Just saying, I really like it. 
Yes, and that's why it's we're fucking cool. That's why we're that's doing why we're it. doing it. Um, but you know, my sweeping generalization of that—that's pretty true. But also, the thing is, most people aren't like that. There's just a couple <laughs> ruiners. Yeah, there's a couple spoil sports in there, and um, they're usually the problem is the they're usually the guy with the most gusto who's like, "I'm going to run this game." Yeah, and they're the people who organize it. So you're just like, ugh. I gotta deal okay. with Okay. Tim Tom's running this yeah. and I've gotta Ralph Folio, I gotta deal with that asshole. Like Yeah, but like I wanna pull out my Napoleonic, so exactly, I guess I have yeah. to, you know, suck it up and yeah. deal with him. Yeah. Which you've been to like Historicon sure and have, Cold a Wars times. and the uh, yeah. all of them. Yes. Um so with that, can you kind of Tell us a little bit more about the kind of people who go to those cons. So uh, I feel like there's a, a difference between uh, con gaming and like going to Raffolio's house. Naturally. Of but... course. But like because if you're if you're running a con game, a game at a convention, um, you're the one you and your club are the people or whoever you're providing the miniatures. Yes. If you're just a um, a dude or a, or a lady rolling up on a game, trying to play, you don't have to bring anything. That's how con games work. Generally, yeah. I'm not talking like tournaments and stuff, obviously. But like, if I saw that someone's running, uh, fall of or uh, imperial Japan versus uh, I don't know the actual like, like late 1860s Japan game with like Last of the Samurai versus musketry stuff and i wanted to go play that because that sounds awesome right that's cool as hell yeah bunch of guys in like there's cool robes with swords running at a gun line with cool hats by the way their hats are awesome oh my god the uniforms for imperial japan they're cool as hell anyway i know that's a huge distraction but they're awesome anyway um then i would just like go i'd get like sometimes they have tickets depending on the con but i'd just show up and I'd be like, yo, give me them sword guys. I'm charging them. I'm going to die. Let's go. Um, and I'd get, I'd jump in and I'd get to play unless it's full. But uh, obviously, like, I don't have to bring stuff. But they do. So there's a big difference between that. And if you're running a game at a con, it's basically open to the public, right? Yeah. I mean, with very few exceptions to that. Yes. That's generally how they so work. So that's a bit different. But, like... Because the yeah. thing with con games is usually there's a very specific scenario laid out exactly which you know so all the you like look at the program of everything going on and it's just like okay well this guy is doing you know an antwerp mission yeah. you know that you know he wrote a basic outline of okay this is kind of what we're doing you know you've got this other guy who's doing you know a french and indian war thing you've got this other guy all these different things yeah, well, mostly civil war honestly <laughs> It's just piles and piles of civil war. You know, I'm trying it's to the avoid. East. That's what they play. I'm trying to avoid talking about that right now, but it's fine. It's it's fine. It, like seriously, every time I go to Historicon or Cold Wars, maybe forty percent of the games are just civil war, which is fine. That's fair. It's it makes sense. We're in that area. It's literally they. It's right there in their backyard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's cool for them. I grew I'm up out back in the west, east. and I'm like. They just have muskets at each other. There's not even cavalry yeah. charges. What a waste. Shut up. I know. I grew up back east. <laughs> a lot of my family vacations as a kid were you know, going out to Gettysburg or going to, you Gettysburg. know. Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Go away. Um, <laughs> so also, 
where is where is Historicon? Pennsylvania. Lancaster. Yep. Lancaster. 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 Anyway, uh, so Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that was a lot of like growing up back east. We're going to these battlefields. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I went and to growing, a bunch. Yeah. Growing up in New Jersey. I mean, so much of the American Revolution happened. It's within like walking. Di- not really, but. Yeah. I grew up probably 45 minutes north of Morristown. So, yeah, I mean, headquarters yeah. right there. It was so cool because now as an adult, I have a much greater appreciation for that. So, yeah. I'm naturally drawn, and like I said earlier, I you know used to spend my summers up mm-hmm. near Ticonderoga. So, and so a lot of my interest in that time period is because I've been to those battlefields, I've been to those yeah. forts, I've done the things, and it's so cool for me because it's like, oh, now I get to you know recreate that in a small scale and be like, oh, look at all the little mm-hmm. dudes running across this. I've been here. Yeah, I just I don't like the period because there's not. The biggest advancement of the time was like guns are way better and cannons, guns and cannons are way better. But Naval got fun. N- yeah. Okay. That is what I would do. I would a hundred percent. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. I want to do river boats. Missis- down. Mississippi gunboat game for uh, ACW would be the coolest did you have you seen the like what the hell they looked like? They just took them and put extra like boards on them and like two cannons. They're silly and garbage, and I adore them. Is there a rule set that works with them? I'm sure there is one. There has to be. Yeah, I if, feel like if there was a conflict, not, somebody I'll, has written a I'll write rule set one. for it. I'll write one. I don't care. I it's the coolest era. I really of naval because it's trash. Really want to do that because I really really want to build like rivers and swamps. Yeah. No. It, uh, River battles would be super cool for for uh, ACW. Yeah, I would also do like normal like ironclads and stuff. Ironclads yeah. are cool, but um, super distract. Anyway, but like, yeah, we're way off topic. Topic, man. But let me finish my point on the Civil War real quick. With with guns and cannons being the main upgrade from like a Napoleonic era battle, you miss cavalry which is like a third wing because before it was infantry cav and artillery those are your three wings like three different tools right yeah you take one of those tools away cavalry just becomes a skirmisher force like yeah if they charge they immediately explode on impact because they're they're, they die because guns are better yeah right and it's um frustrating because you know it is the end of cav i mean you have these actually pretty brilliant Cav generals. I mean, they're used who, for scouting. Yeah, so they're like, super useful. They are exceedingly useful, actually, during the Civil War. But on a tabletop, they're not. Yeah, because like looking at like cavalry, like Jeb Stuart, incredible asset. But you can't really. He was doing hit and run, running through, doing reconnaissance, coming if back. If you're doing like twenty-eight mil skirmish, yeah, Cav makes sense. Yes, but if you're doing like. There's there's this weird disconnect between all skirmish and all mass battles. And also, like, all the rules just do, like, they do the Napoleonic-style t- missions. Like, the those battles where they fought more Napoleonically. And yeah. obviously, like, there's more rough terrain fighting than in Napoleonics. Yeah, because... I mean, That's you what's look, around. Yeah. You look at the American East... 
And, oh, yeah, it's crazy. You know, that's just what it is. I mean, there, but, occasionally you roll into a battlefield like Gettysburg, where it's these big open farm fields. You've got rolling hills, but you're not getting... And I, I'm going to get lynched for this, but um, you get not all that much cover. There are a couple hills that you could use, but walking yeah. across those battlefields, you're not doing a lot of hiding. There's, no. you know, a couple farmhouses... There's some stone walls, and then there's just rolling hills. Yeah. That's that's what you've got. Whereas some of the battlefields down south, where you're dealing where it's just swamps and rocks and, it, and crazy crazy hills, where and, you've just got yep. like basically cliff sides yeah. because the um, when yeah. you start getting down into like some parts of the Appalachians where that's just how it is, and it's like, well, you can't march a formation no. through this. Like, okay, guys, we're schlepping through this. Good luck. Um, yeah, but like everyone does, like Gettysburg and Antietam and all the all the things, and they're like army walk at each other, shoot uh, artillery, shoots good. Yeah, and obviously there are still tactics in there, but like I would rather see the end of the war when they start doing crazy trench warfare. Yeah, like that's so much cooler. I still and also like the idea of like really does that Shiloh. Yeah, that's an that's one that for me feels like it'd be really kind of fun to have to strategize around the terrain for that but yeah. i'm just not not a civil war guy and which is unfortunate because zuovs are the coolest i love their little pants and their cool hats they have great uniforms i like zuovs a lot uh but i just don't like acw that much yeah i mean that's fair and especially because the zuovs didn't last long they were only an early war thing for them yes because they literally put them in uh zuov outfits because the french zuovs did really well so they're like, that means you'll you look like them, so that you fight good now. <laughs> like, yeah, you you got it, boss. <laughs> Amazing. So I love it. And then we were talking about the difference between convention gaming and uh, gaming with your personal club or group or or trying to get in to no the Napoleonic scene. Yes, which I feel like we've just full tilted into Napoleonics and ACW. But anyway, into Musket Town. Welcome to Musketville. It's a really fun period a that a thing. lot of people spend a lot of time playing. I mean, the, us doing six mil Napoleonics did spark the scale discussion. Um, let's get back to scale then. Yes. So we've covered cost, right? The big difference between six mil, 10 mil and 15 mil are kind of the same price point, depending on the game. Um, and 28 mil is very expensive. Yes. Six mil, cheapest chips. Also, let's not forget uh, Epic. Yes. Warhammer 40k Epic. Also six mil. Also fantastic. Yeah, and I like that because, especially when you read a lot of the novels and just... Yeah, they're huge all battles. All the stuff, they're these huge planet-sized battles. And I really like rolling up with my Eldar and having mm -hmm. some big boys and a bunch of Pizza Falcons and like blow, all this trying stuff to blow people up yeah and it feels huge yeah well also like if you read a lot of the stuff um especially concerning like hives and stuff like that it's like oh yeah in this in this one we fought for this one quadrant of this one hive and six billion people died and it's like oh yeah you're pushing around 10 space marines and you shot three guardsmen oh you won the game now like yeah <laughs> it feels a bit odd which I can understand because Absolutely. it's more of like a snapshot. 
Yes. Of what is happening larger scale, but also backing that out and kind of zooming out and being like, okay, let's do this. And it, I know for me, it's a little bit more tactically satisfying because it reminds me of playing like RTSs. So it yeah. feels a little bit more, you know, commandery. Yes. It, like, it's um, for you computer nerds out there. It's more like uh, Total Annihilation versus Age of Empires 2. That was the dorkiest comparison yeah. you could have done. I don't care. It worked, didn't it? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, it did. Um, <laughs> but, okay. Let's talk about rules differences with scale. Because that's yes. also important. Um, so, I feel like this... Uh, I don't feel like this is pretty universally true. Smaller scales... They focus on command, command and control. They yes. just they they do. They naturally have uh, to because it's not yes. man v man. It is group v group. It is because you don't want to roll. Okay, two billion dice. I do. Other people don't want to roll a a dice for every musketman. <laughs> to because roll on it's a twenty. Insane. Oh, it is. I I am a hundred percent wrong on this. However, <laughs> however, I want to. Um, no. Um, it's um, it so it's all about whether your guys actually move into position or yeah. or do the things that you want them to do, whereas if you're playing like, and this is a, a big difference with a small scale game, if you're talking um, drop zone, for ten mil, has nothing to do with it. You just move your dudes, and it's about positioning and mobility and all that. Um, compare that to other ten mil games, command and control always. Uh, Fifteen mil. Is where it starts to divulge and you ro- or divert and you roll for individual stands more. I mean, drop zone is the same thing. Yeah, it's, drop zone is very similar. To, it feels like a scaled down twenty eight. Like it, it. No, I would say it feels a lot like I, I. I like comparing it to Flames of War. It feels a lot like Flames of War to me. I, I get, I get where you're coming from with that. Yes, uh, the only difference is you actually count the men that die on a base. That's the only difference. Yes. I mean, obviously there's more than that, but like it's essentially flames of war at a smaller scale in a city in the future. And then you get to 28 and it's just every little dude is a man. You could name every single guy in your army and you could see how good they shoot every game or whatever. Like, yeah, you could, you could go nuts with detail. This is private tambourine Joe and he's got a tambourine on his belt. Because when he gets bored, he plays the tambourine. Oh, he just got shot in the face by a 3.7 millimeter anti-tank gun. Poor tambourine Tim. Like, you Is could he go... tambourine Tim or tambourine Joe? Get your bit straight. Tambourine Joe was sad because tambourine J- Tim died. Oh. Because he had tambourine buddies. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you need two of them, I guess. Anyway... <laughs> Like, you can go nuts with detail. You can, like, I mean, look at the rules for Infinity, right? The rules for Infinity are individually, like, everyone does, like, seven things at different levels. Like, he's great at hacking and okay at assault rifles, but bad at kicking people uh, in their left chin. Like, the the level of detail on the individual person is a little bonkers. You know <laughs> what? It gives you a lot of ability to be reactionary yes. and gives you the feeling of, like, everything happens in more, like, real time and you can yeah. kind of, like, 
see the movement where it's like 40k i walk up i shoot now i now walk to go and hit you with my sword do we... i sword yes i do sword yes mm. i do sword i sorted your your now that sword we are done with sorting you can sort us back yes aha ouch i have been sorted like yes <laughs> but so i feel like infinity does address a lot of those problems where like 40k does yeah it does feel very static like that where it's just like roll up stand and there's like this disconnect of motion which kind of bothers me about the I, mean, I go you very... go system yes i agree i have tried to change that on multiple occasions with any any time i've written rules i try and get away from i go you go it's also a problem with a lot of games. That's yes. the thing. Um, because it's just, it's easier to do. Like, it's easier it to get hold of that than than to be like, oh, well, now we got it. Like, what, how, think about Magic, right? Yes. For, for Magic the Gathering players. I haven't played it in forever, but I recently, uh, I remember seeing the um, actual, like, phase order. Yeah. And how many times there's just reaction. Yeah, well. Is bonkers. You, I know okay, you don't. So, I don't. I know you don't use it every single time. But my point is, the basics of the game are like: I draw cards, I play cards, I use these to do this, then I attack. But like in like tournament competitive super high level stuff, it's just like, oh, I can react to this every whatever. Well, first and of I know all, don't be a douchey blue happen. player. You can address your hate to me. Put Holly in the subject line. Uh, I think everyone, even thing, blue players, hate blue players. That's fair, because they're right to hate blue players, because blue players are the worst. Yes, address your hate mail to me. So anyway, resolving the stack, I feel like, is a really important mechanic that gets lost a little bit in miniatures. It is. Because I like the, you know... Oh, you did something. Well, I have a reaction. You have a reaction. I have a reaction. You have a reaction. And it just becomes yeah, but this that thing. Takes too long. And that's something I have issues with with Underworlds. Is there's only one reaction. You can't react to I'm a reaction. Okay with that. I know you are, but it as takes forever. <laughs> as a Magic player, where I'm, you know, used to, you know, working the stack from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me, and it's a little bit frustrating. I think that's just because that's because what that's what you're used to. Yeah. I feel on a game design. This is way off topic, but that's fine. I feel like from a game design standpoint, it makes sense because the acting player is the only one doing something. So obviously, the natural thing is for the person who does not get to act to be the first to react and the only to react because other you only have five cards in your hand and for four phases. Like if you have reactions nonstop, you're gonna. It's just there, there's also not that many reaction cards. It doesn't yeah. come up that often. Like we but, literally looked up this rule last Saturday for the first time. It's it had never come up. Underworlds has been out for a year and a half now. Like it's been yeah. out for a good while, and it I had literally never happened. Whenever I played it, to see when what that happened. So. Yeah, I mean, it just bothers me a little bit because I guess I am more used to card games. Yeah. It I don't know, it feels a little bit oversimplified. It has kind of a, a hearthstone effect, in my opinion, where it's just like, oh, you know, you, you did that. Well, no, I, I don't like that. Okay, that's done now. Yeah, but also it's, I mean, it's already a... a it's already like dice games and movement so it's not yeah. the cards are I, I i they're not secondary to the game but like 
it's not just the cards. And I feel like that's the big difference. Like yes. the cards are not the entire game and thus making the cards not as complicated as the moving and the dice and all that needs to happen because you're basically intertwining these two systems together. Yes, I I get that. I am going to disagree because I'm used to card games, but yeah. I know we've got people in our local Discord who are like, I don't like cards. I don't like Underworlds. That's fair. And they're I allowed to have I think that opinion. Fanta- and, and the reason is because there's no random element to what you buy. And at this point, you could buy the base set or both base sets and a team and you'd be competitive a lot you don't need most of those cards are kind of bad <laughs> yeah i mean most all the good cards are in the base sets they are you own every expansion that there I'm is i'm a little nuts i still um, need to play i still need to play the rest of the warbands i i just i really like the game so i've looked through your binders of cards and it's just like there's a lot of repeat type stuff yeah and a lot of it's like oh they're doing this mechanic but they've worded it differently and like yes so okay. you can yeah and and i think that for like an actual competitive deck you don't need much to actually buy right no. how but like there's a and this is my favorite thing about it you can make real weird gimmicky decks with the amount of cards in there if i wanted to go full like, for example, my favorite card that I have in my Goblin deck is the objective where if you end the game with no surviving guys with upgrades, you get, like, three points. That And then I just don't use upgrades. I don't worry about upgrades. I don't even read them. I just put ten in, and I might use one, and then he'll probably die because he's a shitty Goblin, and then I'll get those three points at the end, and it'll be great. Like, and that is a card that nobody looks at. Because it's fucking terrible, except on specific band, war bands, yeah. right? Like, and there's a lot of other cards in there that are very, mostly bad. But, like, if you combine it with a couple others, like, that's the cool part that I like about that kind of a system. Yeah. So, getting back to scale. Yes. I apologize for my uh, wandering off. Yes. <laughs> um, we're good at staying on topic for no, this. No, we're not. Um, <laughs> so. So. Because um, we were talking about price. No, we you're we, we far beyond price. We oh, were talking about, Yes, we were talking about the actual system. So, like, when we were t- the individual guys being at 28 mil for skirmish. Yes. Generally. But also, like, um, what's that gladiator game that everyone... Arena, Arena Rex. Rex. So, that's another game that would never work at a smaller scale. No. Because you only have three or four dudes, right? Or six or whatever. The, I don't remember and I kind of don't care. It's meh. Not my not my jam. But like, ye, it's that's the other th- the other cool thing you can do with scale, right? Where um, with 28 mil, you can do a, a decent sized game like, like Age of Sigmar or 40K. Or you can take the exact same size guys and they are a small warband in Underworlds. Or AOS skirmish, or kill team, or kill team, and that's an entire. It functions entirely separately, but it's still the same scale and versatility of scale. That I think that's the only very, very, very good thing about twenty eight mil. Yes, right. Like um, I have played individually. I've played skirmish style games in fifteens, and that also works too. People will refute me on that, but I've I've done it. I've played it. I did a lot of World War II with 15 mil individual stuff, and it works pretty well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, however, it is not as versatile. So for versatility's sake, and this is also good because you get your damn money's worth out of it. Yeah, because if you're going to be spending the money and the time... You might as well be yeah. able to get stuff And that's, it, right? yeah, one of the cool things, especially about the GW mm-hmm. miniatures is... You know, you can use your AOS dudes for AOS if you yep. wanted to and you were okay with the changes, you can play um, like Ninth Age. or you, Yeah, Ninth Age is cool. Yeah, you can, if you really wanted to still put them on movement trays, you play Eighth. You can play Kings of War. You can play Kings of War. Um, address your hate mail to Aaron. It's um, a bad game. So, and you can also do like Mordheim and uh, Frostgrave. Yes. And, you have all of these options still that are a lot built of options. for 28s because people see 28s, people like 28s, people write for 28s. Same goes for yep. 40K and even some other sci-fi systems that exist. Yeah. Not as popular as 40K I, or I think Kill Team or Skirmish, but still exist. Yeah. I think it's just people really like, they want to be personally attached to models instead of the grand spe- that's i think the the main thing is grand spectacle versus like this is captain jim hasseldang and he killed a knight last week with his super thunder hammer of the emperor's super rage or whatever like i feel like that's the biggest difference between like the polar opposites right there's also that line between tactics and strategy right or uh mm-hmm. yeah whereas like Stra- the strategic games are all like the command and control and that's most that six mil it's all just strategic movement and once you're locked into an area it's hard to move out and i hope you got your guys lined up and you roll well from there um or whatever right whereas like flames of war is kind of firmly in the middle where it's a lot of tactics um with a bit of a bit of strategy not as much more more tactics Whereas you tilt full bore into fucking infinity and it's just like Tim Tom shot exactly three shots out of his rifle and has 20 left. I know that's not exactly how that one works, but like. Yeah, it's, yeah they're, they're, it's just what kind of game you want. And that's important. And it, I also think it's very important to play different scales. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's like your diet of anything else. You know, you can really like certain things. Like, you can really like only reading comic books, or you can yep. really like only eating pizza, or you can really like only doing one thing. Yep. That's fine for a while, but you're not going to be as fulfilled and really enjoy that thing you really like if you don't have other things that kind of, I guess, it saying make you remember why you like that so much is a little bit negative toward the thing you don't like as yeah, much, no, but not- it you still need that balance. Well, also, like, I think an important thing with playing multiple game systems, and I know that, like, people are on budgets. Obviously, don't go out and buy a bajillion things. And then and kill you know, your wallet and don't, don't and do, lose your house and don't do that. And that's why I recommend 6 mil as a second game set. Um, I, I think 6 mil is a perfect price point for a second game system. If you are a sole 40K player, Go get, go play Epic Armageddon if you want to stay in universe, because the cottage industry that prints uh, IP appropriate but legally distinct models are exceedingly affordable. Yeah, onslaught 
and Vanguard are very cheap and very nice, and they fit with the aesthetic of 40k. Go grab the community edition of Epic Armageddon, Net Epic Armageddon. I prefer Net, uh, uh, Epic Armageddon to Net Epic, but it anyway, really. It's specific, it comes yeah. down to your personal preference and yes. what you and your buddies uh, like to but, play. But if you're just stepping into six mil, Epic Armageddon is way easier, it, which yes. is important. So if you want to stay in in universe and you're a 40k player, do that. AOS or Old Fantasy, grab some Warmaster. Play Warmaster Revolution, not the original. The original is a bit weird. Um, and it's not that expensive. Again, there's cottage industries that have filled this 10 millimeter fantasy gap. Like, you can easily, I could easily go and buy an all goblin army and it'd be pretty cheap. I mean, more expensive than like Empire or Chaos because yeah. you need a ton of goblins. Yeah, because, like, you know, you need what, like five, ten gobos to equal like a, a knight? Something like that. But, any, but anyway, like, it, it, the also cool thing about that is you'll, knowing different rule sets, You'll see what things you like and dislike between rule sets, right? I've played a lot of rule sets. Um, and knowing that I go, you go has these specific problems with it and seeing that these other things do it this way and there's less emphasis on the individual over here and more on this and like you can take the things that you want. This is other, another important thing. Take the things you like from other games and see if you can try them in the games you want to try them out in. Like, why not? Yeah. What are you going to lose, an afternoon? Yeah, like, whatever, man. If I want to do... If I want to try simultaneous activation in my 40k game, sure, try it. That'd be cool. Why not? And I feel like having those different game systems and those different scales, it really helps you as a player and as a person kind of develop yourself as a person and player because you're going to see things differently. Working at yeah. small scale, you're going to notice things like, oh, I've My never noticed that, you know, having, you know, if I've if I'm playing Epic and then I go back to playing 40K, it's like, oh, you know, I should daisy chain my guys this way to maintain it'll, cohesion. It'll but probably like, make you way better at movement. That's a very, Yes, that's what I'm getting at. Yes, strategic movement, is when it's so much more important there, it's going to help your movement in other games. If you're trying to be competitive in 40K, go play a small scale game. You will learn movement faster that way because it's way more important there. Yeah, and it helps you, you know realize kind of where your where your game is lacking and you know then you're either going to lose a lot or you're going to learn it's yeah. one or the other <laughs> and losing a lot you can learn if you want yeah or you could be a salty asshole that would prefer you didn't do or, that or but... you can just keep running bad lists like i do because i like bad lists and they're fun who doesn't want a billion noise marines to lose at you aggressively or whatever unit I arbitrarily pick. <laughs> yes. But point being, yeah. it's... And also picking something that's outside of your realm. So if you're a 40K player and you pick up 6 mil Napoleonics... Do it. It'd do be it. awesome. Yeah. Do read up yeah, about, man. you know, the Napoleonic Wars and, you know, read about Peninsular Campaign. Read up about yeah. Waterloo. You know, just really or, engage yourself in the history, yes. which will make you... Not only appreciate the history more, which, yeah. I mean, 
people need to know more about history. It's a thing that we mm -hmm. forget and there's a lot to be learned that you can apply to other things. Like reading about strategy of, you know, these big continental wars, mm -hmm. you know, you can take those like, oh, you know, maybe this thing that is historically never worked, mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't do that. Well, for 40K players, and I'm wondering if you agree with me on this, is um, I feel like the most relevant historical time period is actually World War One. I. I agree, and I think it does extend a little bit into World War Two, but I think less. Less. I, I think it's way more World once, War One. Once you get into, like, uh, like. Let me explain my reasoning why I think okay. it's World War One more than World War Two. Um, number one, the biggest reason: trench fighting mm -hmm. means there was actually close. Mm -hmm. It means there was actually close combat. World War II, there was rarely an occurrence where you actually stabbed people. By comparison. Yes. If there was trench raids all the time, and this, I'm talking exclusively West Front. Obviously, East Front and like Italian Front and all that, entirely different crazy nonsense, right? Yes. But like overall, there was a lot more like... Germans with body armor running around with shovels and pistols and get and like balaclavas running into trenches, right? Like the the amount of actual like when combat happened, the amount the percentage of actual like close combat is way higher. And I think that because that's the cool thing about 40k, right? Your guns are as good as you going and punching a, a space bug in the face. Like that's part of the super cool appeal of 40K is you can just, uh, we're in space, but uh, fuck these guns. I have just 10 axes in my hand. Let's go. Like, yeah, that's why I think World War One is the best um, equivalent. Yeah. And also there's the weird stuff like cavalry still in there. Yes. Which you really lose by like 19... 39 yeah there's um, there's rare cavalry and well also the cavalry tactics changed entirely yes. nobody charged on horsebacks which is a huge thing that a bunch of dumb people who think oh the polish charged cavalry or ch charged tanks with cavalry never happened and i hate you for thinking that whoever that is you're wrong historically inaccurate Ev nobody thinks that anymore that was german that was literal german uh, propaganda mm -hmm. they dismounted because they were mobile infantry just like dragoons Anyway, sorry, that really bothers the shit out of me when people think that. I mean, as a poll, I can see why people would think that. No. We are a stubborn people, but no, 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 also... No, 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 no. That's dumb. <laughs> it, it never happened. No, it did Literally not. no one would think that. No, because why would you? It's like, I'm on a horse, that's a tank, that's a bad plan, but with, you well, know... Well, the story that people, oh, they, they lied to them and said that they were cardboard tanks. Like, yeah, cool, then they would just shoot at him. What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, no, like, as somebody who kind of lives the dumb pole stereotype, because that's just how I go through life, I guess, It it's still... It's like sometimes fun is like an anecdote, like, oh, people think that about polls, but yeah, no. Yeah, it's literal Nazi propaganda. Don't fall for that shit. Yeah, don't listen to Nazis, kids. Yeah, hooray. I'm I'm sorry we're taking a political take. It's not fucking Nazis. Punch them in the face until they die. I mean, the war was fought for it, so. Anyway. Uh, 
anyway, so, getting yeah, back well, to uh, World War like, One and forty yeah. k, and also like the 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 tanks. Literally, the Land Raider is a Mark Four. It's just mm-hmm. a squatty one. It's a squatty yep. Mark Four, and it's awesome. And it has the side guns and everything. Like it's it's World War One in yes. space. And uh, go play World War One if you want. Like that's cool. Yeah, and it if you're nervous about entering the world of historicals, because yes, as we've mentioned, it does feel a little bit gatekeepery at times. It sure does. And you know, you know, you can look at it and you you start getting books and you're just like, holy mother of all things good in this world, what fucking color is this man's coat? There's a. That's not hard anymore, though. It used to be really, really hard, but, but now... still, there's a lot of sources. It can be overwhelming. Like, do it, Fair. but, like, don't feel... Like, World War One is an easy... En- it's modern enough that there's still a lot of first-hand sources. Like, uh, in the other room, I have an infantryman's manual from 1970, and I found in a garbage heap, but... It's still good. It's still readable. It's really cool because it's all first-hand account. Yeah. And it is a first-hand manual of World War One. So anything where you can still kind of easily access those kind of resources, where you can actually read the source material for yourself, it's a lot easier than, like, looking at, like, we talked about Ancients a couple episodes ago. Ancients and- can be odd, but generally it's not that... Generally you can still find easy resources for that. And also, like... Their dying wasn't perfect, so being a little bit, and I mean like, color dye. Yes. Um, their their clothes dying was not perfect, so like, if it's a little bit off of the red that they specifically like, nobody's gonna care. Yeah, and also, have you ever had a bunch of black t-shirts and you wash one somehow more than the others, and it turns more gray? That, that happens, happens with lot. our modern dyeing techniques. Yep. So it's a bit off. Who cares? Yeah. Like, don't beat yourself up over it because, you know, at the end of the day, we're pushing little dudes around a table, rolling dice at each other and having a blast. Yeah. And having fun. Having a good old fun about looking at goofy tanks and fun little dudes. Yeah. So it's cool. Sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, do this, do this. Take a step back and kind of realize what you're doing it's it's all it's all fun the beer the beer and pretzels are out is uh super important sometimes and i know like i play competitive sometimes i'm not good at it but i will roll up to a tournament i'll bring an okay to competitive ish list like i'm gonna bring what's painted i'm gonna do all that i'm gonna try to win but also like when i'm playing just like it's friday night and I'm like, I got this cool new fuck, uh, chaos corn berserker unit, and I just want to see how many dudes they can kill, and with all the things and whatever. Like, I don't really care that much, and I just want to like, it's the spectacle of what these things do and what yeah. happens. Like, whatever. Though I feel like twenty eight lends itself more to those pickup games. To to pickup games, yes, that's the weird thing. Um, also, I wanted to cover this uh, with getting into historicals, and I guess this is just a getting into historicals part of, part of the podcast now. Um, Battlefront now is easier than ever to get into all the Battlefront games. I'm not sponsored by Battlefront, but if Battlefront would like to give us some advertising money, I sure would like that. That'd be dope. Hey, guys, I'll give you some even more 
I guess at that point wouldn't be free advertising. But anyway, so all of their games now, they just released Great War, re-released Great War, which is why I'm on a World War One kick. And also... And it's dope, anyway. Also, there's an important thing at the end um, about World War One. Anyway, so um, all the systems operate the same now. Flames of War operates the same as Team Yankee, operates the same as Great War, operates the same as uh, Arab Israeli and what's the fifth one? There's a fifth one. There's a fifth one. Oh, uh, what is it? Anyway, there's that all of them work the same. Now they've consolidated everything into the V4 version. Everything's kind of the same with a little bit of tweaks, right? Naturally. So that's fantastic. So if you want to pick up world war one and that's, that's dope because the French are in blue and in trenches and are the coolest. And I don't care. The rest of them suck. Fight you. Uh, The French were, uh, you know, actually not okay with being thrown at the enemy. Unlike the British, who just walked up over the trenches. I know, I'm just being ridiculous. But, like, I just like the blue, and French are cool. And they have cooler tanks. I'll give you that one, hands down. They're so much goofier. I love them. Uh, Also, the FT-17 was way more revolutionary than Mark IV. It had a turret. It's huge. Anyway, um, I know that we're just topics, man. A hundred topics. So, um, yeah, then you can swiftly transition to playing Vietnam. Because the, yes. the rule sets are the same. And I think that was the fifth one. That, that was I the totally fifth one that you missed. I totally did. Also, really quick, they have boat rules in there for the little river boats. And that shit's the coolest. <laughs> we know how much you love river boats. River boats are dope. And you can do that in Vietnam. Uh, and also, like, I think Vietnam is the most divergent because of it the way the NVA... has to be. Exactly. Because of the way the NVA work in it, which um, you can play all the basic rules are the same. But wh- the way the NVA jump up on you and rolling for elephant grass for the board in different patches. And it's very cool. And it's a lot, uh, that's, that's another thing. I really like the Vietnam system because um, it's just so much different. And it's a because, lot, it feels a lot less competitive than like yeah, Flames of War. Because it kind of has to, like it's hard to be competitive with kind of the, the way things happen and the way the events happen. Yeah. And that sort of thing because like, well, I like, like you said, with the consolidation because it's like rule set, exceptions special rules all yeah. that where it's like once you grasp the the, the basics, the basics done. then it's just like oh this works differently cool that's the exception to that instead yes. of like a new system for each game yeah but yeah for a fun like scenario where you set up and it's more of a gm'd kind of event well it doesn't have to be that's but i cool feel like about, it it can be and it lends itself a little bit more to that kind of storytelling aspect of it no that's exactly why i like the vietnam rules because it does that with the regular missions and how the nva deploy yes where it feels like a jammed mission like if you are you like if you're playing the nva you feel more like the bad like not necessarily well yes the bad guy but you know what i mean like you feel like the the thing that the Americans or the Anzacs or I forget what acronym the South Vietnamese used, um, but whatever, um, that they are trying to overcome. Yes. Instead of like, oh, my Germans, I need just need to shoot these 
seven things and then I win and I rush on the objective and I just need to take this house and stuff like that. Whereas you are a, an, an obstacle, mm-hmm. like you are kind of, part and parcel with the objective that's why i really i vietnam is cool as hell yes especially like i i i've only played uh the nva for it i haven't actually played the americans or anything but like every time i play the nva it's always you feel the cool ambush and like you're just popping out of the grass firing rockets all over the place and like doing wave assaults and stuff like that and it feels it always feels super desperate yeah for for the um the Americans or whoever you're fighting, right? Which is really cool because there's not that oh shit moments as like you're always like oh well I I didn't do well because I didn't bring enough anti tank or I rolled bad on my 88 shooting or I should have saved that roll. It's like oh fuck, there's hundreds of them. It's not like you it, it the way it's constructed steps you away from the rule set a lot more. That's so. I guess this is now a wholehearted endorsement for the uh, Flames of War Vietnam rules. Because it's freaking cool, man. So, if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> Play NVA. They're cool. Or, um, you know, whatever. The helicopters, I don't... I would never play the helicopters. I know everyone iconic helicopters, but, like, not my, not my jam. Yeah, I mean, also, we're going to get some adagio for strings happening as well. Really lean into the whole platoon thing of course sorry it anytime somebody mentions vietnam there yeah. has there's the obligatory uh platoon reference so whatever brown water navy stuff's really fucking cool so anyway i would much rather do boats than helicopters that's fair i think boats need some more love uh they though, do uh warlords uh cruel seas seems pretty cool yeah i still need to get my uh my russians out they do have the coolest boats the bron crater i don't know how to say it um, but it has T-34 turrets just on top, and it's made of aluminum. And it's actually, it's not protected from corrosion because they knew they were going to sink eventually. So they're like, fuck it. They're short term. Throw some tank turrets on them. They're amazing. Anyway. That, that is pretty fantastic. But very cool. I like kind of what Warlord did with that. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. And, and I nice. feel like, you know, we're talking about scale. The scale works for it. The boats yeah. are... It's also just an interesting scale. Like, what an interesting scale to do Navy at. Like, when I heard they were doing a Navy game, I'm like, it's just going to be carriers and battleships and destroyers and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, no, it's little PT boats, and they're they're just having machine gun wars at, like, 50 feet apart. That's awesome. That's super cool, man. And the models themselves, they're distinct enough that you can really get some fun detail on them. But it's not like... Uh oh, I'm gonna be painting these gunnels for now till Kingdom Come. Yeah. So it's they they chose well on the actual scale of the model itself. Yeah. As well as the scale of the game. See, guys, there's a Warlord game I do like. Cause boats. Oh, I just don't like boats. That's that's fine. <laughs> um, we've talked about your no, I'm just your saying hangups with I'm, that. Yeah, I am not anti Warlord. Warlord makes cool systems. They just do. Just not that one. Black Powder's pretty cool. I like Black Powder. Yeah, it's fun. It's pretty good. Pike and Shot. Pike and Shot is pretty dope. And yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of Hail Caesar. That's true, because Lurt de la Guerre is just a little bit better for it that just doesn't, period. It doesn't represent the unit types as well as I would like. That's the reason. Yes. It is fine for a more casual version, but I would like more detail. Yes. But... You know, 
just kind of. But they, I would also still play it. Yes. Anyway. Um, that was a little bit tangenty, but that's fine. Like we always do. Yes. Always tangents on this here, the art of mini war, which is the podcast that you've been listening to. In case you forgot or fell asleep during one of the tangents. Mm. Now that you're waking up, wakey wakey. Um. Ooh, there's a sleep ghost. What? I don't know. Fuck it. Fine. Who cares? Whatever. Whatever. So, um, yeah, and something that just I kind of thought of was uh, from, you know, from a modeling perspective, thinking about, like, railroad scales and yeah. um, even model horses, which is a hobby I was in before this. It's just, I just like comparing what you notice, like, mm-hmm. with model railroading you know same goes with the model horses and you just having those kind of different scales in your life because um with model horses i think it's um briar traditional scale i think is one eighth okay and so they're pretty big yeah so but they're really cool because you if you're really into doing paints you can paint individual hairs if you really if you want to. really want to. If you do that, you can make a lot of money doing commissions because people will pay big bucks for that. Yeah. Um, but, and then you scale it down to like the one, uh, 116th, 120th, 132nd, and I think they go down to like 164th. And mm-hmm. they might have, I think they do a 132 now. They're really tiny. Um, but it's just, I like that comparison of like, you, know, you can have a quarter horse that's you know itty bitty. It's like the size, size of your thumbnail. Of a quarter. Get out. That was too easy, and you knew it. Screw you. Like um, you gave me that joke. So, and then you can have one that you know is you know big enough that you can see the reflections in the eyeballs. That's cool to me, and I think yeah. just taking models, you know, kind of stepping back from the game and just appreciating a model for the sake of a model. Is yeah. you know something that you know we've just been talking about like oh rule systems oh you know, scale of battles that sort of things just like you're gonna be spending time with these miniatures you've got to paint them there's a lot of effort that goes into that and I think having you know the the variation like we said variation you know tactically and really kind of strengthening yourself as a player and as you know somebody who has a more wide appreciation for things just like realizing that you know i know i guess it kind of just gives me a greater appreciation for miniatures and models as a whole and then also terrain terrain is fun yes and also the big difference between like how much you want not necessarily terrain to affect you but like the nitty-gritty specifics of like oh he's leaning out this window or like this unit's in there garrisoned. yeah like it where it, it, it uh, terrain is always going to matter yeah almost I feel like Age of Sigmar and 40k have huge terrain problems right now. Yes, they do. But like playing most games, terrain has a huge impact. And the other thing is building terrain. Yes. Like what what found things can you use for terrain? What can you yeah. build? What kits are available? Also, six mil terrain is insanely cheap. Yes, because they're a little itty bitty. Yeah. And well, this is something that like the model horse community deals with that we don't is in model horses you actually have scale tack it's very precise and yeah exactly to the scale and sorry it just kind of made me think about that because in some 
model horse showing situations, you've got to build carts and jumps and it, it really depends what class you're showing in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those are all things you've got to build or buy so yeah. you can show with them. And, you know, that gives me a coming from that background gives me an appreciation for what you can do with train, how much it can really add and how much it just adds visually to yeah. the overall like yes, you can play a game of 40k where you just have the stock GW ruins, that's it. You just have it on, you know, a kind of whatever, you know, or you can mat. play with like some textbooks under a green mat and have them called hills. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff like that, and that's fine for for starting out. Yeah, but once you really get into terrain building and you start we'll thinking... We'll do a whole thing on terrain. We will, but I'm just kind of... Like, it can add so much, especially when you're looking at things. Or it's like, do I want to really focus on kind of these snapshots, like 28 mil, where it's bigger dudes, more detail? And do I really want to feel immersed in that? Or do I want to make sure that my rolling hills at my for my 10 mil... Yeah, you know, that that feels grand. And there's enough bushes to make it feel like it's not empty, just grassness. Yeah, because that's something that I've noticed with um, some historical stuff I've watched. There's not enough uh, scatter terrain of just like some bushes or like a random tree in yeah, the middle. Yeah, like somewhere. a copse of trees in a farm field. Yep. Because you know farmers push all their rocks into an island, and then there's little copse of trees or stone walls, rivers, fences. Yep. Stuff. Fill your field, but don't clutter it. Yes. Like, clutter is just as bad as an empty now, board. we'll talk about this in a terrain thing, but, like, and this is a weirdly sp specific thing, but, like, if you have studied visual design, it applies very well to putting a nice-looking table together. Like, grouping things in specific numbers and little, like, like, shapes and kind of like knowing what naturally things go together Be well how not things naturally go together doesn't matter as much as it looking convincing yes because sometimes we are if you put scaling it together down yeah. reality so you're not going to get all this no but like putting stuff like if you put a few then uh, that's good enough yeah so you get the point yeah there's uh th th that's good so yeah, all all fun with scale. So speaking of scales at which people can buy things. Yes. Can we talk about products? We sure can. I almost so, said and services, but that's behind the bastards. It's a good podcast. Listen to them. You should. It's great. So there's a reason I was talking about World War One because the new thing, by the way, we're sponsored today as always. By Gajo Games and Gajo Minis. It's the same thing. Gajo Minis is the website. G-A-J-O-M-I-N-I-S dot com. That's the website. You can go there. You can order stuff. The new stuff. World War One vehicles. Ooh. All the new ones that just came out from Battlefront. We are now offering pre-painted. Now, this is the cool thing. The weird thing. Uh, not weird. It's fucking cool. All the stuff from the new wave of World War One stuff is going to take a while like all the new, all the new cavalry the like the cavalry platoons are going to come back in I think June like mm -hmm. mid late June the vehicles we're doing in house as they're ordered mm -hmm. this is this is a first for us um and the reason is is because like if you're playing Germans you only need like two A7Vs yes people the demand is not going to be as high but we still want to 
be able to offer these to people. Yes, because instead of insane weights. Exactly. We don't. We're not. We don't need to buy ten thousand or whatever, cr- couple hundred FT17s to store in our warehouse. Someone's gonna buy FT17s. They might buy five. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we don't need that many. So, um, we've even got the new armored cars, and the coolest one. Oh boy, am I excited to tell you about the coolest one. We have the, it says British, it's actually labeled wrong because it's Canadian. Canadian? It's the auto car armored car. That's the little, this was uh, the brainchild of a Canadian general where he took a truck, flatbed truck, basically, Armored the sides and put just two HMGs in the top. It's amazing and cool as hell. Uh, there's just two little 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 British guys sitting in the back of a arm a slightly armored truck with two big old machine guns and a little guy driving on their trash wood wheels because it's 1917 or whatever. They're awesome. So go ahead and look at those. They're in the 15 mil pre-painted Great War. They're new. They're fresh. They're hot. They're great. They're fucking cool as hell. We even have the Mark V specials, which are the transports that are really, really long and goofy looking. Mm-hmm. We've got those in stock. We've got everything, man. They're they're really cool. So uh, do that. And more importantly, buy some French. I'm a little biased. Or you can buy things that aren't French as well and play no, your friend who bought French. That's true. But Metropolitan French are better than Colonial French. Fight me. I don't want... If I'm playing World War One French, I want the blue ones. I don't want the colonial ones because they're like normal colors. They're like browns, man. Well, That's less cool. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that is a challenge that if you are ever in Sandy, Utah, uh, you should definitely play some great war against Aaron's Metropolitan French. Yeah, they're reluctant. They'll fail their morale saves at you. Watch the fuck out. <laughs> So speaking of the store in Sandy. Yeah, we've got a giant store in Sandy. 9420 South Union Square, Sandy, Utah. It's dope. Uh, Pretty close off the freeway, about four minutes. You know, it's pretty, well, not, probably less than four minutes off the freeway. It's pretty fucking close. I, I would uh, start giving I-15. specific directions, but nobody Doesn't matter. cares. We got 16 tables upstairs. It's nuts. Also, we're starting a huge terrain project to up our 40K terrain. Yes. And that I'm literally doing that tomorrow, a bunch of it. Yeah. So it's good we're, stuff. we're planning on hosting a bunch more 40K tournaments, ITC stuff, uh, and just doing a much more um, 40K and, and Age of Sigmar events in general, Yeah. as well as our plethora of uh, historical stuff. So, yeah, so um, if you are in the area or traveling by... Come on down. We've got pretty much stuff. Got pretty much everything you need. Yeah. And our paint department ever grows. There are not many that I don't think we can order any scale. uh, I think scale 75 is the only one we don't don't have. I think that's literally it. We have Reaper. We have Army Painter. We've got Vallejo. All seven. We have all seven whatever ranges of Vallejo. We have mission models, which is cool because they're actually based in Salt Lake. Which is cool. Cool as hell. Also, we'll plug our other local company, which is Trenchworks. Oh, yeah. Trenchworks. 
Uh, you should check them out, man. We're not sponsored by them, but they're cool. They yeah. actually come. They actually are a bunch of local guys from the store, um, and they make absolutely gorgeous uh, tanks for World War One and World War Two. Yeah. So, so as you're transitioning from 40k, if you want to play some 28 mil into historicals, and you want to have something that feels similar but yeah. a little different, definitely check them out. They are also cool and beautiful and cost effective. Also, I think they are literally the only company that I have found. That makes ampulaments. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's the little Russian firebomb launcher for world, from World War II. Mm-hmm. It's like a little short mortar that they shot at tanks. Neat. I, they, I think they're like the only place I've ever seen ampulaments actually offered. So if you're looking for that very specific thing, they have it in 28 mil, which is awesome. Yeah. So, so check them out. I guess we're doing a free plug for them. Yeah, cool. them and Mission. Why not? Yeah, they're dope. Um, I don't know anyone specific at Mission, but they're local, so they're cool. Yeah. Hey. And, um, well, I guess now that we've plugged our plugables. That was a long-ass plug. I have another plug. I do a bad movie podcast. Me, not Holly. Uh, (laughs) So I'm not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's called The Catastrophe Section. Uh, We just put out, not just, a while ago. Our latest episode is on Scooby-Doo 2. So if you like bad movies or whatever, uh, it's pretty good. It's kind of a half-improv show. It's mostly an improv show where they occasionally wander back to what they're supposed to be talking about. I'd say it's about about. half improv. They're more distractible on their show. We do distract. And uh, more so than here, which is saying something. So here's the deal. If you like the episodes with like Green, he's on my show too. Okay. Anyway. So. That's a little bit of a selfish plug, but I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. We also have social medias that you should poke buttons at. Yes. Like so following and liking and doing all that. Following, liking, subscribing, doing all the things. There's a bunch so of buttons. We are on Facebook, Art of Mini War. We are at Art of Mini War on Instagram and Twitter. We also are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Literally anywhere all, you get podcasts. Anywhere where your pods are casted. We will be there. Please subscribe, like if you really like us and you like us bringing you more content. Please rate and review us on iTunes. That really helps. Really helps us get found. Uh, SoundCloud is also good, but iTunes their algorithm mm-hmm. it's it really helps it pushes us. So, it to people. Yeah, yeah. Please do that if you like us, and uh, we are also available if you want to reach out and talk to us for things and purposes. We have an email, so we are artofminiwar at gmail.com. Yeah. So if you feedback or you just want to be like, I like the things you say or I don't like the things you say, you can do that. We appreciate that a lot. We might read it. I read all of them, Aaron. (laughs) All Um, two. You know what? Anyway. Um, or if you have questions about the store or how to get any of the products that we've talked about, you know. Yeah, we'll mail most things. Yeah, and... Uh, oh, another thing about the store. We carry, like, everything that we can get from Osprey. We have pretty much every book that Osprey has available. Yes. So if you want Osprey and have a pain in the ass getting it other places, we can ship it to you. We sure can, and we are available, I believe, through web form on the website, something like that. There's yeah, a... you have to email the thing. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, slight digression. Um, or call. Yeah, that works, too. So... I guess we are on I'm, to um, yep. our own personal plugables. Despite the ones I already did. 
Yes. Uh, so, Aaron, what's on your painting table? Um, obviously, six mil Napoleonics. I've been doing that. I did a little bit. I was about to do a bunch of more tonight, but I guess I had to record instead, which is fine. Because um, I just did a little test thing of 12, three strips of four. Uh, I did that last night. I primed them all. I primed all the infantry red and all the cavalry brown to speed it up a little bit. And I think that's a huge key to painting six mil, because they're all going to be mostly the same color. You can paint base coats pretty quick, but like, you're not going to get as thin and smooth of uh, paint, depending, of course, if you buy uh, quality spray paint. But like, uh, that's super nice and super easy. I painted those real quick. I've also been painting um, the new Shadow Spear stuff from 40K, mm -hmm. doing that for a commission. Um, I recently finished six of the eliminator Eliminators, and you can actually see those beautiful beautiful models on my instagram that's right i'm being uh, a goofy millennial who uses that uh it's tyrell aaron t-y-r-r-e-l-l-a-a-r-o-n follow me there i have a picture of me in a big santa beard and hat with aviators on i don't know why that's apparently my picture but first it's got it's got a bunch of stuff i also painted my the new little bug thing the venom crawler in Night Lords, the best Legion colors. I uh, got a bunch of new stuff on there, so... I'll take your hate mail. Just do it. Hey, Night Lords are literally the best Legion, and I don't care. That's fine. They're spooky, and they have lightning, and they skin people. Anyway, um, so yeah, follow me on Instagram to see what I'm doing and criticize my painting or like it or do whatever. I don't really care, but you should. So I guess we're on to what's on my table. I guess. Uh, so... I've been working on my Caldor dudes for Necromunda. The Still. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to paint more. I'm not I, being mean. I'm I know. I'm saying you need to paint more because I want to play Necromunda against you, man. So, well, I had to take a brief painting hiatus because I had to move unexpectedly. But now that I have a painting table again that is set up yes. in a permanent location. instead With actual, of actual, like, light. Without me being a nomad. Um I've been working on those. I've been working a bit on my uh, Adeptus Mechanicus and Skitari stuff for 40k, just because they're cool. And I don't know why I'm obsessed with green right now, but I'm obsessed with green. Not our guest green, the color green. Um, yes. Sorry. Sorry, green. That's that was me. Weird. I'm obsessed with green. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job, Holly. Don't you dare. You know, I'm not going to get in the way of that. <laughs> so. Funny. Anyway, so I've been working on that. I got a bunch of uh, Seraphon, so I've got some lizard boys to paint. Yeah. Um, so you can get an actually good AOS army. Just kidding. Blades of Corn is actually really yes. good with the new book. So I I play Corn in AOS, but I really wanted lizards because I wanted something different. So yep. I uh, I was gifted those, which is pretty cool. So I've got those. I've got my War Machine Cricks, which oh, I yeah. need to do something about them i dropped the box when i moved so i have to fix a lot of them well it's unfortunate because they're privateer press old metal models so they're a goddamn nightmare yeah. i looked at the uh, box and i'm just like uh, shame pile i'm done yeah. with you oh i've done that to a fully painted army and they're still not fixed i had a whole platoon of moroccan gommier which if you know them they have their uniforms underneath their big mountain like super like religious garb with like stripes and stuff and they were all painted gorgeously and i dropped the fucking box and they're chipped to shit and i just don't want to look at them yeah that's fair 
So anyway, yeah, with my painting, I've been working on that. I've also just kind of been looking at other stuff to work on. I have some model horses that I'll probably uh, post up to my Instagram, which is ilex.paints. So that's I-L-E-X dot paints at, you know, for the whole on Instagram. The Instagrams. On, on the grams. Um, <laughs> Flexing for the gram, bro. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I also need to retire my Blood Bowl human team and paint my Ooh. orcs. Are you questioned for you about your Blood Bowl humans? Are you going to use them ever again? Yes. Damn it. Because I wanted to turn them into Arbites. No, they are... Okay, fine. I mean, they're half-dead anyway. I was <laughs> actually thinking about picking up an undead team and painting them the same uniform color as my current oh, guys. That'd be fun. Um, but anyway, I so... want to... I'm going to petition you now. We need to get Titanicus up and going. We do because I find we finally got, I got my order of the um, the new weapons for the warlords and the reavers. Yes. So I can finish my reavers. I can finish my warlords. Yeah. Because I have three more warlords unbuilt. Yeah, I'm. I've been waiting on the weapons. I'm looking at my. I know. I looked over finished there. Warlord. Looked over there. Going, and I saw it, and I'm like, like yeah. Play that. That's another thing on my. Cool it's another cool another thing on my painting table that is getting. Getting to the the going yes. soon. I actually have all my little click clack nights, okay. uh, which yes. I'm working on, and they're they're fun. I've been doing them not green; they're pink and purple, which is very. I fun. I mean, those are the only two colors you do. Hi. Green and pink. I do pink, purple. purple. I know. Um. So anyway, I've been working on those, and other than that, I've been trying to catch up on my reading. Uh. So, I have. I'm still. Reading Waterloo uh, by uh, Bernard Cornwall. Um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm trying to read up on Waterloo before we do our six mil battle. So it's a lot of reading for me. I'm also catching up on my military history monthlies, War Games Illustrated, miniature war games. Just keeping up with news. all all the news, which is kind of what inspired the scale episode actually, because I read an article. I think it was in uh wi which really yeah. kind of opened my mind up to using six mil historicals for a thing and then yeah i just kind of naturally jumped to waterloo because i i want to do something that's napoleonic but i don't want to get berated for my choice of hat color <laughs> so um yeah so i've just been keeping up on my reading uh the other things i've been doing i mean just kind of catching up with new album releases um, I mean, we both listened to the. We had a hobby night. Listened to Devin Townsend's new album, yeah, Empath. It's super good. Yeah, it's growing on me day by day. But more importantly, the new Port Noir album is coming out soon. And, and the new uh, Baroness. Yes, but that's later. It's yes. not as soon. It's not as immediate. I'm also excited for that. But that's like in July or something. Yeah, like it's a ways away. I'm not. I'm not gonna get excited for it yet because it's uh, just. It'll get annoying by the end of that. And I'm already starting to get annoyed that Port Noir isn't out because their first single dropped in like December or November. Yeah. And there's only three out. I want the whole thing. It's so good. Um, I'm also excited that um, 
I mean, it's kind of old news at this point, but I've been listening to it. Uh, Zealand Ardor released their uh, Live in London yes. album, which is good because that's... We've seen them twice live. By yes. the way, we're huge metalheads. Yes. That'll come up in a very yeah. soon episode. We're going to do a GW and heavy metal episode and because they're innately intertwined. Yes. Because we've got a local band who actually play at Gajo. Yeah. And well, most of them. Yeah. They're... So. Um, so check out Pine Walker. Uh, they they're going to be on an upcoming episode. Yeah, and they're they're, they're dope. They're, they're a doom metal band. They're chill dudes. I'm not a doom metal guy, but they're cool. Yeah, I, I saw them do a show locally a couple weeks ago. They were worth checking out. I'd so say I'm more selective about my doom, rather. I'm exceedingly selective. Doom is fine. Just yeah, but these guys anyway. are also fellow nerds. They are, and we're going to have them come on and talk about how GW is just. It's, it's heavy metal in like yeah in every sense yeah and that's gonna be really fun and yeah really cool. it'll be pretty chill a lot less like me yelling about how game mechanics are this way and that and how like this bush has rocks in it so it should be more cover than the bush without rocks in it you know none of that nitty-gritty stuff more yeah chill, so. it'll be fun so we're really yeah. looking forward to that uh, we have some other really fun episodes, you know, in the pipeline for you. So stay tuned. Now that, like I said, I'm no longer a nomad, we can get back to our regular release schedule. Yes. Because, that will be good. Yes. And it will be good for me to, you know, just get back into the routine of things. And uh, yeah, so that'll that be... turn on. Yep. So that'll be fun. Um, i trying to think of any other pluggables i have to plug um the other book i've been reading recently is called the black arts if you have any interest in the occult or magic or anything like that it's uh it's a re-release uh, it was originally published 50 years ago i have the 50 uh 50th anniversary edition it's really interesting stuff if you're kind of into you know darker topics so that's pretty cool and then really other than that i've been uh, watching PBS documentary series about uh, prohibition, and uh, you know, just kind of keeping up on all my my dark age fantasy kind of stuff, like uh, Last Kingdom and Vikings and all I that. I just watched so. Edward again for the maybe fortieth time. Yeah, because Edward is an incredible movie, and I had never seen it, so it's incredible. Tim watch Burton's it. best, and I'm going to get so much flack for saying that. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. Out. It's the best. It's Damn. literally the best. Fucking, yeah. But, yeah, uh, so that's kind of the media we've been consuming lately. And um, all the shit, shit we've been painting. Yeah. I need to get working on the, um, I got a commission for uh, Russians 28 mil that Ooh. I got to start, start working on for World War II. Oh, and then. That'll be pretty easy. Another pluggable I have to plug is um, if you are into craft beer. Um, I've just been kind of thinking about this because uh, I bought a whole bunch of it because uh, it's really good. Is the Saltfire Dirty Chai Stout? Oh yeah, that's really it good. is really good. Um, I don't know how it, I don't know how easy it is to import out uh, of craft Utah. beer out of Utah. I know it's hard as hell to get stuff into Utah. Out of Utah, I don't really know, but yeah, if, uh, if you can, it's pretty dang good man. yeah because uh that's been something that i've been drinking while painting because it's definitely a sipping beer not a yes. you know I, any kind of other quick drinking beer so i, I have been poor so my choice has been pbr 
Because I'm poor right now. Yeah, um, just kind of the craft beer that's been on my radar yeah. recently. So this is a lot of plugs. Huh? This is a lot of plugs. We've plugged a lot of local stuff. It's so been like twenty minutes of plugs. You know what? If, if anybody's could... made it to this point, you are a champion. We appreciate you. You must really like us. Oh hey. <laughs> <laughs> And you just got that from Aaron, so enjoy that. So if you made it for through 20 minutes of plugs, you got the joy of me hitting on you, I guess? I don't know. Whatever, she, man. I don't once, care. Once we get uh, merch up on the website, which is an eventual thing, I'll maybe edit that into a ringtone. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we ever get the Patreon hey. up and going, we'll have some exclusive... Uh, content like that for download where you can have sure. Aaron hit on you ringtones. I'm yeah. pouring you out for this a little just okay a little bit. Um, I'm gonna sweet sultry voice. It's as smooth as butter. That's all folks.